Episode 114 of the Talking Bollocks podcast brought to you by Go Loud. It's me, CLB. It's me, Terry Flower. And today we're joined by DOC, Darren O'Connor. The Doc Messella. <laughs> How's things, Doc? Good, lads. Great to be here. Yeah. You have come up in the world. Robin and living there, wasn't we, Doc? Great, though, isn't it? Doc, we asked you to come on when we were sitting at Terence's kitchen table and you told us to fuck off. You no did. chance. You, you come up in the world and now you're at the diving on no the podcast. Chance. Seen an opportunity, no you did. Chance. Has his best tracksuit on all on. He Look does look the right. under ca- You got a haircut now, but this is I thought Calvin might be wearing his one. Yeah, so <laughs> me, me and him had the same tracksuit. Yeah, I, know. I knew in my head, I was like, I was going to wear that today. And I goes, he might have that on. Imagine how embarrassing <laughs> that would be. Because our trendsetters now, lads. That's yeah. what it is. How's things, Doc? How are you keeping? Good, good. But I wanted to pull you straight ah, away off the bat. Lovely, yeah? lovely. I love it. This whole thing, when you have guests on, uh, he had Al Foran on. And I just said, your man Al Foran seems like he's a sound fella. And he goes, Doc, <laughs> sounder than you, man. He's sounder than you. And I'm like, what? He sounded, you're sound, but he sounded than you. So that's I, like, I should take that as a compliment. That you it's said like this to me on the phone, did I not? So I said you are a bar, boys. I think the two of you are sound, right? So when I meet people, that a real sound like Tommy Mallet has sounded in the two years. He said this to me the other day. He goes, Tommy yeah. Mallet has sounded new. Yeah. I goes, Why am I the bar? Why does everyone have yeah. to be compared to me? Like, because like, you are like who I'm around all the time, right? Does that mean we're sound because we're around you? Is that sound like, but Tommy Mallet has sounded in the Bautius, Al Ford has sounded in the Bautius, Ray Lane has sounded in the Bautius. But you never go home, look in the mirror, and say, What's he sounded in me? Ah, I'm sound, boys. <laughs> Doc, I'm sound, bro. Legend. <laughs> yeah, right, uh, Ali Zingers. Yeah, going on? so we uh, we had this one sent in, right? And I don't know whether not to use or not, but I'm going to do it anyways because it's not mine, right? So someone says, Would you rather put a toothpick under your thumbnail and kick a wall or have a cork accent? <laughs> oh, I take the cork accent. Would you? Yeah, I think yeah. that's a big clock. That's big for me. That's big for me. It's close. Because I haven't forgiven cork for all the beatings the was in. In God a couple of years ago, you know? See, you're, you're a bit gap, man, because your mate yeah. is Philly McMahon, isn't it? <laughs> Philly's a dope box if you ask me. I'm sounding sound him. Like, oh, you're 100%. definitely sounding Philly, but Andy's a bad player, boy. Yeah. So, like, here we are, but he's your mate, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> a legend. Nah, we're only messing. We love Philly, but, uh, yeah, you're into the guy, Doc. Yeah, I love the guy, yeah. We made a little statement in the episode of Philly. Right. What was the statement? Like? Football is bigger than guy in Ireland. Yeah, no, that'd be true. It is true. Yeah. But Philly come back football. with a Philly come back with a good joke, Doc. Yeah. And he said, No League of Ireland team in Ireland could fill Crow Pack. It's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> he can barely fill the Aviva, can't he? Yeah. Like, barely fill daily, man. Blowing Palace Stadium, boys. Dubs it sell that out twice over. Yeah. yeah. Somebody told me. No, no, no. League of sorry, boys. League of Ireland attendance is like at yeah, the shooting it's, it's up this season. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting big. Yeah, yeah. but see uh, what happens at the cup final though. It all depends on who's in the yeah. cup final, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm gonna get myself a little bowls kit and just don't cause more. It'd be rare to sell out. Yeah. Somebody reached out to me after that though and they said they'd done a, a Masters in sports in Ireland yeah. and they'd done participation across all the sports and like football like bleeding walks all over yeah. because think about it, you have five aside, seven aside, over 35s all this with God it's very limited you know what I mean either it's 15 aside or that's it 
There's yeah. no in-betweens around. So football tomorrow, would he play it? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that's even debatable. Like, I think everyone would agree. In the country, it's a different ball game. It's not many people yeah. are playing yeah. football. You're not they're allowed. Playing, they're playing Horland. You're not allowed. Yeah, in some schools, yeah. won't let you play. Yeah. Still, to this day, they won't let you play soccer. Like, so yeah. what, you have to play Garden Horland? They only play that. Mm. That's the only sport they play. That's a mad one. In the world, yeah. I wonder why. Like. There, it's is, just, it's just there still is football teams. Like, you, get, you get decent teams. Uh, yeah. 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 But, uh, so uh, what would you rather do? Kick yeah. the wall or have the cock accent? I'm actually going to cock the weekend. You're going to be better around if you So I'd rather... Uh, yeah. I, 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 uh, oh. Right, yeah, he's a nice accent, lads. You know, Roy. <laughs> oh, yeah, have to like, love Roy. Do you know what? We always like cock. Yeah. 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 Imagine me with a cock. Do we always like cock? Oh, we like the accent, so No, we do like people from Cork because yeah, they're yeah. all about Cork, you know? Yeah, right? yeah, cork, yeah, cork. yeah, yeah. But it's banter, do you get me? Mm. But I like the, imagine me with a cock accent, Doc. Yeah, fresh. Yeah. You? I think it's helped me, boys. Imagine me talking like James Leonard and all, <laughs> and Timmy. <laughs> Where, where's your man Hector from? Hector. Rahu, Rahu, Rahu. Where he's from? They're Limerick. Are them boys? He? No, I don't know. Hector. Who's them know. boys? Him and Tommy, you know. Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the zinger. Yeah. Have you many zingers, Doc? Yeah, I've a few. We were we were just talking before we went live about a couple of singers. <laughs> I've loads of them, lads. And I'm always ringing, I'm always asking Terence to bring them up, you know, and we're still waiting. Here we are. <laughs> well, there's your opportunity. But the one, like, you know, uh, ladies' towels, you know, sanitary towels or sanitary towels. Yeah. Yes, you know. I call them sanitary pads. I swear to God, I call them sanitary pads, and my brother always calls me out on it. But just what I was brought up saying. I was the same. I grew up thinking they were called sanitary. Like, like the area Sandry Sweet Ballymore Sandry Pads <laughs> That's where I live now Yeah Sandry Pads I don't have a clue My missus It was me missus That uh, has been Me mum has been Polluting me with all this stuff And me missus Is educating me With all this stuff Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. You gave me one A few months ago That I used And we'll use it again Right Dungarines A Dungarines I thought you were Dungarines Me mum again yeah. Get I your Dungarines I know now That they call Dungarines And I still Can't help myself But call them Dungarines Going around like Minions Where <laughs> <laughs> You know, the yellow head and the smoke. <laughs> Do you know when you go into the bathroom, you turn the light on, the fan yeah. comes on. What do you call that? I call that a protractor fan. And my board runs a muck over. When a fan comes, like a fan. Like... Do you know the fan that like, just be yeah, above the door? Like a fan, yeah. yeah, what's it called though? I just call it it's, called, it's an extractor fan. Yeah. There you go. I call it protractor fan. Is that the open clear in the mirror? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it only goes on for like 60 seconds. Yeah, but that's a long. So I have, when I moved it, into the gaff, I thought that was a heater. And I was right. putting that on, standing underneath, and wondering why it was only that. Boy, soaking wet. <laughs> I was like, boy, is that only on for a minute? That's a yeah. shy heater. And the noise of it for so 60 mirror. seconds, sorry. You got, you got oh. the moment. It's like a plane taking off. Look like the P-Y-90 in oh, the gas. the noise of the thing, yeah. <laughs> They always break as well, don't they? Yeah, poxy yeah. oaks. Do you, do you stop walking, and then the window... They don't even clear the mirror. No. Mine sounds like there's someone trying to get into the window. <laughs> I swear to God... Turn off that light and turn off that fan if you shout at the Going in having a piss in the dark and all because you can't be putting up with the sound of it. Yeah. Who's right. that under the bat? <laughs> <laughs> Will we talk about Liverpool, you know? Yeah, before we come on here, talk that goes. Yeah, we'll be talking about Liverpool, you know? You can't because this isn't a football podcast, boys. Leave it there, yeah. Fall point. Am I right? When was no, the last time we talked about football? Kate Tracy. Yeah, what, Nate's what got a footballer on too. And actually, give us yeah. some footballer suggestions. Whoever's listening to this, but uh, seven nil, Calvin. Yeah, what do you want me to say? 
don't, I don't. I actually don't know what I wanted to say. Yeah, me and Doc had a discussion when you were out having a smoke, yeah. and he agreed with me more than. Remember, me and you nearly killed each other on the phone over the first half. Yeah, but I still think yeah, we no. are miles better. Doc said, "You know, we're the better team in the first half." I can't. I never liked you, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> Well, look at it. I was like, now we love you. You know, it's a point. Look, 7-0 is amazing. You know, it's a great result. You know, but I didn't think we'd win by that score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the fact that United have been doing so well, haven't lost in so long. And look, it's it's kind of one of them things you love when it's happening. Then when it happens, like an anti-climax, what, what do you do with it? You it's more of a mean? freak. You're like, what's going on here? Well, I woke up like the next morning shock. and thought I was dreaming, boys. I mm-hmm. did. I woke up and went, we win that game 7-0 mm. do you know what I mean legit didn't register with me but it was back again to and I'm on with the caution <laughs> I was just going to George the game I was just putting the, I wasn't writing that just laughing faces but people know what's going yeah. on do you get me and I then pictures of Martinez on the floor like a you lock and all ah, I just put up the comments saying toy game that <laughs> <laughs> do you think Liverpool are getting top four yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah I mm. really do yeah, yeah. I even thought we, uh, a couple of weeks ago Tottenham just don't have the the character. Yeah. You know, yeah, for that, see for what that. happens. There's a lot of football still to play, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I still don't know if Arsenal are gonna win the league. I never thought Arsenal was gonna win the league. I no, I, if if you if you ask me right now, I'd I'd stick with City. Yeah. yeah. Until year. they play each other, I still think it's wide open. Once they get that out of the way, then that's when the heat is on. Right, who's who's gonna drop points here? Yeah. Well, as I said, this wasn't a football podcast, lads. <laughs> <laughs> Think I grabbed the hook like that, in fairness. You did, you did. Look, we could. Do you know what? Any seven up? I would have I licked, <laughs> licked you hard if we'd have scored a 90 minute winner to win the game 2-1. But at 7-0, it's like, you don't really need to say much, do you? You, you just have to it. say the score, look, it's yeah. 7-0, like, and we'll move on. So, Doc, tell me a bit about you. <laughs> uh, Doc, you know the crack, you listen to the podcast. Tell us what you do, where you're from, and hard, what you're on today. The hard part, talking about yourself. That uh, is, that, isn't it? In the hard yeah, to talk course, about yourself. Of course, So my name is uh, Darren O'Connor. I was born and grew up in uh, Ballymun. Sorry to hear. So, <laughs> get up out of that. You love the monastery. Oh, I love them, my dear, I swear. So growing up in Ballymun, it's a mad story because at the time when I moved to Ballymun, was people squatting was a big thing. Mm. So I remember, and my mum telling me stories, we we moved into Bad Curtis, the flats there in uh, in Ballymun Bad Curtis, and it was people would have kind of, you know, put people with that there was, you know, there's a gaff here, there's a gaff there, and come up, loads of gaffs in Bad Curtis, everyone in Ballymun would say, yeah, there was many free gaffs up there, nobody wanted to live there. Mm. But Bad Curtis was a great spot. I remember going in there with my mum when we were younger, and then uh, we would have squatted there, and then eventually you just... Becomes your home. So what way is that squat and walk like? Once you get in, you can't. That's it, it's legal. Yeah. Well, I think that's what happened with us. Like, and it wasn't just us. It was many people done it. It was that people wanted uh, housing, and what they did was they turned up and they just they if there was a derelict flat or the complex, you go in, they clean it, you know, have it spotless, get in there, and then you. You have the post coming to your gaff, and then it's, it's your gaff soon enough. Yeah, because you do hear that. Yeah. Some people be like, oh, squatters' rights and all, but it was, it like, was fairly it was common. a few years on it or something I used to hear. I used yeah. to hear that. Yeah, yeah. But back then, I don't think it was like that, you know. And I think, uh, no, we, we weren't long. We were we were in bad, bad quarters for a couple of years, and then we went to Slough, Slough Avenue. So I would have lived where Philly lived as well. But it was, it was kind of, that's kind of what people done, you know. Yeah, it, what was uh, Ballymun like back then, though? Growing up in Ballymun in the eighties, like it was, it was a great place. You know, we, we I loved growing up in Ballymun. You know, you were never bored. 
you know you could always go out the back we had uh it was a concrete jungle that's what it was known as but there was you know football pitches playgrounds similar to the inner city everywhere you go in kind of Barry Munders playgrounds there's football pitches but you know it was great to grow up in it was it was hard yeah but it was great it certainly makes you as a character. It's a tough one to answer that, isn't it? Because people, even when they ask us about the NSC, we're like, oh, it was great, it was yeah. great, but we know the faults. Yeah, like, also. it was huge. It's great, huge, you wouldn't bring your kids up in it. Yeah, if you had the option, like. Yeah, but like, I wouldn't, you'd never change where you grew no, up. Yeah. You know, or like, like in Paddy Mona was, people, we were all similar, you know, people had the same issues. There was a lot of single parents in Paddy Mona, don't get me wrong. There was lots of there was lots of couples as well, but there was there was a struggle, you know. There was economic disadvantage. Uh, there was a heroin epidemic, you know, in Ballymun where it was just it was huge. So you know, we growing up, you could see that particularly in the shopping centre in Ballymun, you'd see people addicts in the shops that were just struggling. You know, heroin got a hold of them, and uh, yeah, it was just, it was a really kind of daunting place, you know. There was mm. people walking around. And when you're young, you're seeing people walking around with their eyes closed and yet they're bleeding their grand. They're not bumping into anything. You, mm. you don't know what's going on, but, you know, you eventually realise then it's, you know, you get told that people are on drugs and drugs are bad and mm. and all of this kind of stuff, you know. But, mm. look, it was, uh, when I was young, there was a lot of movies. I, I don't know if he's aware of this. I'm sure that... Calvin there, the Wikipedia <laughs> mind on him as well aware, but it's lots of movies shot in Ballymun, you know. So when we grew up, there was the likes uh, Into the West, you yeah. know, that was shot in Ballymun. And, and I think it was Bad Curtis as well, the flats where, where, where I used to live. Uh, there was The Family. I had an extra in The Family. I actually got paid to play on a skateboard and play in a trolley in the shopping centre and in The Family. Uh, my uncle was doing security. And uh, people were going up for uh, auditions and stuff like that. Me uncle just goes, come here, you, get in there. And then I ended up getting getting paid 30, 30 brick for doing extra. <laughs> <laughs> I realised how much money that was uh, later on when I was, I was working in crazy prices in the in the Ballymun Shopping Centre. And I think I was getting like 20 quid a week wage. I was getting got 30 brick for going around on a, going around on a trolley. For something you would have done for free. You would have done for free. Yeah. And he'd give you your lunch, you know, you're in the double-decker buses. Where'd he go? And you boy as well know what, what that's like now, you know? Uh, mixing, mixing with uh, all the celebrities. But yeah, double-decker bus, you get your, you know, you get your food, you go in, you eat on the bus. The bus was laid out like a little canteen, you know, with a, but it was amazing, like, it was great, it was a great experience. And, uh, yeah, all that kind of stuff, you know, doing that, seeing it in Ballymun and doing it, was was just, was great that it was there, you know. Because yeah. I always had a bug to be an actor, you know. But then realised quickly that I had a face for the radio, you know. <laughs> I, just, I just wasn't going to happen, you know. <laughs> so, your experience growing up, um, around what you grew up in Ballymun, obviously would have led you on the path of the career yeah. choice you took yeah. then the youth club yeah so what made my life great in Ballymun was uh, community engagement was yeah. just like the people people were brilliant like to my knowledge then there wasn't youth work paid youth work you know there was people just giving up their spare time to make sure 
that you know young people were staying out of trouble and so like I would have went to the reco and there was this one guy Ned was his name he's from the country you know anyone outside of Dublin you know outside of <laughs> Ballymun as well I was from the country he's probably from Thala but I think <laughs> but I think I think, I'm nearly sure he's from the country but this guy was a legend like he used to he'd be on his own in, in the reco and I think the reco was, was run by Dublin City Council at the time and uh, he'd be on his own and it was a club he used to finish school go straight down all we did was wanted to do was play football so it was football inside, indoors playing football. Every now and again, he get us to climb, you know, the ropes and, and do the horse, the gymnast stuff. But we just wanted to play football. He would have brought us to like a Ballyferma. Uh, we'd be ran out of Ballyferma with him and around 10 of us playing football. My brother used to be with me, a couple of close mates. We used to just go and have a match against the likes of Ballyferma up in Kulock. And it was just brilliant. We loved it. We loved it. Mm. And he was on his own doing that with us. Like, yeah. you know, you couldn't couldn't do kind of that youth work now, you know. And it wasn't just the likes of himself. I was heavily involved in the church. So uh, at the time, I used to go down to church. There was a lot of scandals happening, mm. you know. And uh, church is a fairly kind of a negative reputation. I have to be honest with you, lads. I'm nothing but a positive experience in the church growing up. Any priests I met in the Holy Spirit Parish, they were nothing but nice. You know what I mean? They they went above and beyond for us. And uh, we were in the we were in the choir, the altar service. I just because they were clubs. Yeah. yeah. You didn't join the altar service because you were mad into your religion and God. You joined it because forty our mates got selection boxes the year before or you know, they were getting footballs and, and raffles and prizes. And then you you went in that was your club every Saturday. We were basically joined every club just to play football and football and more football. Yeah. You know? And uh yeah, and that, that was kind of the the kind of social stuff. Ballymun United uh would have played with them from a kid. Mm-hmm. It's gas now when I think of Ballymun United because they've the same kind of committee. From when I was like nine and ten years of age playing with Ballymun, the same guys are involved. Now that's dedication. Yeah. Like I've been involved. Lifetime there is, eh? I've given my time up for uh voluntary work, football, but nothing like that. Yeah. I, you know, and I'd be honest, like somebody had upset me or something uh, on a board or, you know, charged me for the tracksuit, that's it, I'm off. But like these these guys at their years, shout out uh, Bernard O'Connor, like an absolute legend. Yeah. Like what he's done to that club and the commitment he's put into that club, you know, and and it's life changing. Like it really is. It's life changing. Football clubs, all that stuff, it's life changing. A lot of them lads. What sense, yeah. What what do you mean when you like, say that? For me, for me, football in particular has had a key role on everything in my life. Uh in relation to me getting into your work, in relation to me relationships with people, you know, my character would have been really football, you know. And even as as then you go on to whether it's the business world or whatever you go into, what you learn of football with teamwork, leadership, you know, all that kind of stuff, dealing with, you know, uh, adversity, all of this stuff in football, team sports, it really does build you, build your character. Mm. You know, it really does. It it teaches you how to deal with difficult situations. All of that stuff, and for me, with football, with coaches, getting advice from the likes of your coaches, working working together with lads you play with, having uh, disagreements, you know, not always seeing eye to eye. It really, it just it prepares you, you yeah. know, it really does prepare you. Mm. And I just think that, you know, when I said about it's life-changing as well, 
it can be the difference. A youth club, a sports club, with a young person, you know, uh, finishing school and getting a job, finishing a not finishing school and ending up in prison. You know, it's that. That's what I mean by life changing. It's that if young people aren't engaged in sports in youth clubs, like it, it really can be detrimental on them. Yeah, detrimental. So, what kind of education route did you take, Doc? Back then, so for me, yeah, I, I, I suppose for me, I, I was really, I was anti education. I was always a leader from a young age, so I, I kind of, uh, I always struggled with orders and people telling me what to do. And in education, I suppose I had a negative experience with it. And when I reflect on it, it, it wasn't that anyone in particular was bad at delivering the education. I think the education system itself, I struggled with. Yeah. Penitentiary style education. Yeah. And it was something that really kind of later on in life when, when I was analysing what I wanted to do, it was kind of, how can I make education fun? Yeah. You know, so for me, I struggled in education. When I was in fifth year, I just the priority for me was, was, uh, was money. I wanted money. You know, my mom would be putting the hammer on my mom all the time for everything. I was going out, you know, when I was in fifth year, pubbing and clubbing. And it was, that was for me, I was enjoying life and that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted a job. I, I was working since I was 14, you know, so we always wanted to get money to work. And that's always what I wanted to do. Education was kind of a support to that, but I didn't see it. I'll value it. Now, at home, like it was bred into us education. My mom, when I left school, my mom wasn't impressed, mm. you know. And but yeah, I always kind of, I left, and then I I uh, play with it again, you know. Go walk for the year and say, no, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back because it always played in my mind. Now you should have done. You should have done that. You should have done your leaving cert. You should have done it. You know. Mm. So then I I suppose I kind of I went through the mill with jobs. I'd done every job under the sun. I was telling you earlier, I worked in the meat packers, you know, and straight away after getting a ball bag bounced off your face, you know, you just, you want to leave that job <laughs> really quick and you're, you're just sweeping up and shoveling up shite and everything else. Yeah. And I said, that's not for me. I didn't last too long on that. What going in the ball bag? What have we done? <laughs> It was uh, in, in a meat packer, so it was probably a ball bag out of a sheep or something that was bouncing <laughs> Just out. Just like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a cliffhanger there. What's he on about? It wasn't a human one anyway. Yeah. But I say I lasted a lunch break. And then when the lunch break came on, I, I was white in the face and I said, can you eat, Luke? <laughs> and my mates were there, you know, get up here, you won't stop messing with you. And I said, I can't even eat. You know, he said, I'll be back now in a minute and I've done a, a dicky yeah, out the door. Left dust. <laughs> but it wasn't for me, you know, that wasn't for me. And was I had lots of jobs, lots of jobs I enjoyed and then other jobs I didn't. I lost we I lost my auntie and my uncle to drugs, to heroin, uh, growing up in Ballymun. And that's something, I suppose, when I was mentioning the heroin epidemic, you know, that was, you know, something we experienced. When my auntie died... Uh, my auntie had uh, three children and uh, one of my cousins went to the family, uh, his, uh, the other family, his dad's side and fatty mom. my mom took the two girls and uh, within like within a, a kind of a, a year, I, I decided I was going to go to, to Australia and me, me cousin, who was like my sister, Nicole, my mom brought her on our first holiday then and like she drowned when she was over there, and I was in Australia at the time, so 
so that was big that was huge huge on me you know so when I came back down from Australia I was in a dark place for a while you know and I think yeah I think a lot of us were a lot of the family you know was it, it, it was big and particularly with my mom who's you know it's how do we say uh she's like uh very protective, overprotective, you know. So something like that was was really hard on her to take, and hard hard on everyone, you know. So that was that was big. I was in a dark stage, you know. Uh, going out, hated life, you know. Really in a dark place. We would have listened a lot to to Eminem. I was a big fan of Eminem, but you know. Music as well can 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 heal you and destroy you at the yeah. same time. Very angry music, isn't it? Depending what what frame of mind you're in, you yeah. know. And I remember, you know, you'd be listening to certain music, putting yourself in a dark place, and questioning life. And and to be honest with you, uh, I was probably even in Australia. I was in a dark place, but that was like an icing on a cake. And when I came home, then I was I was fairly dysfunctional. You know, I would have been in in a lot of trouble. Uh, for me, it was trouble, you know, and uh, I remember my sister wrote me a letter. Won't forget it. My mum and my sister were very, very supportive. And uh, that's why I've, I, like, huge kind of admiration towards women because I was raised by my mum and uh, there was five of us. She did it on her own and it was just, you know, they're always there with you. My sister as well, my wife included. They're just always there with you. They really are. Like lads, lads are great. Like I'm not, I'm not knocking brotherhood, and you know we great relationship. Turning to myself, yeah. yourself, grown relationship now with Calvin. But like there is something, yeah, definitely magical, you know. And uh, my sister wrote me a letter, and it was just a real, a letter like how she's feeling with my actions and behaviour, and the impact it was having on her and the person I am. And it really hit home. Like it did hit home. I was still slow before it changed. But it hit home. Like I was drinking a lot, you know, going out a lot, and uh, I just didn't didn't have value for life then. And I probably I probably had that for a couple of years, you know. I was twenty two to around probably twenty twenty three, twenty four, two really really dark years, you know. But again, it's uh, you know, it's it's realizing like what you have in life, mm. like what's there for you, and and also then trying to just make yourself happy you know like it's it's happy's not something that like for me it's not just something you have it's not natural like it's there but you have to kind of you have to bring it out in yourself yeah you know you have to do things you have to you know gratitude of course you know and i hear that was a brian penny was it that was on yeah. the show he mentioned that and that's something i really agree with and i value you know is that but yeah it was just then there was a lots of debts in the family, you know, and there was, you know, there was a lot of stuff happening, like in uh, in Ballymun as well. There was a lot of young debts. Remember at the time that, like, when I I managed a team that were under uh, under fifteens, and it was the reason I I actually did this team wasn't a football reason. It was that there was me brother, there was me cousin, and they were like. They were in fights with the lads up in Poppentree and Slog and there was all of this trouble. And I was like, geez, like how how can you stop that? Like how like how can you get them to be talking to each other, not killing each other? No, I used to try and organise a game of ball. So I'm gonna organise a game of ball and just try and use football to kind of stop this, you know? Mm. And it worked. 
Like, and then I said, these are actually, these get on, like, or else they're not killing each other when, when they're here. Yeah. You know? And then we just, you know, we ended up running a football team and, uh, you know, it really, it did work. Resolved a lot of issues there, yeah. It did, yeah, yeah. It built on relationships. Anyway, because I grew up in Ballymun, I didn't have that division anywhere. I felt I could go to Shangan, Coutry, Popo, wherever it was, Slog, and like, you know, it was, Yeah. it's Ballymun. Yeah. You know, and I get on with everyone and your friends from each different area. Where growing up, there wasn't that. There was a real kind of, you know, we're slow, we fight with Popo. Or we're Shangan, we fight with Kochi. There was all of that stuff, you know, when you grow up or if you if you ventured on your own to a certain area, you're yeah. in trouble. Yeah. You could be in trouble. Many a chase even I would have got, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from certain areas. But, It'd have been but, like that in the inner city as well, but only around Halloween time. Yeah. Halloween time, you didn't want to walk past certain flats. Yeah, but, but then again, you wouldn't want to venture over the south side neither. Why? Like, I, I remember, like, you'd venture over near Pear Street, Rings End and all, any time of the believe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not just Halloween, you know what I mean? But you stand yeah. out, don't you? Or yeah, or you I don't know what it is. Out. It's like there's a yeah. sign above your head with yeah. your postcode on it. Yeah, him. D1 <laughs> on it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, Doc, so you end up veering towards you, walk. Yeah. So just with, with, with the football thing, I suppose, there was two lads that played with that team. Diet, you know, at a very young age. And just uh, they were under 15. Yeah, at the time, I forget the age of the lads when they actually died. He didn't die on the team when I was playing, but he died. Like, there was two lads and uh, they died. And they were lads I was really fond of, you know. And they were into drinking, drugging, enjoying us. But look, no more than any other young lads their mm. age. Yeah. They weren't doing anything extraordinary. And, uh, you know, two of them and another friend, there was three out of that group alone that died. And, and stuff like that, you know, you see that happening. And you're just like, like, what's going on? You know, like, what? How are these young lads dying so young? Like, what's what's going on? Like, yeah. and boredom is a, it's a terrible thing. You know, you can put all the things in the world there for people. You know, like whether it be sports or clubs, but it's getting young people at a really young age and getting them engaged. You is know, is that how you reckon we could help that or fix that? problem like in the inner city and in Ballymoon mm. and in working class areas like that like what would your main thing be to stop young flesh drinking and drugging so so young yeah I think like I think they'll probably experiment like the thing is like for us all like, I grew up with a very strict mom and you know you're told not to be doing this not to be doing that and you know you're gonna do it mm. you know when you when there's people around you doing the, this stuff and you see it you know, you want to experiment. You want to see what is the big big deal about drugs. Yeah. Why are people taking drugs? Mm. You know, why are people, you know, why do people drink? And then what happens is, is that for some people, people experiment and they can pull away and find out what's not for them. And uh, for others then, it's just, you know, they, they just don't, you know. It's something then they end up hooked or addicted yeah. or whatever it is, you know. Then, yeah. So, like, with me, it was just trying to find myself I think and it's kind of all of these things I always done voluntary work it was something that was always bred into us by, by me ma'am mm. so like from the age of like 16, 17 I was trying to run my own football club until then it just made sense we go with Ballymoon United and then you know I managed a senior side with Ballymoon and uh, I went then and I was I was managing uh Belclare Celtic, I, I actually managed then in, in Hardwick Street as well, and I was doing a bit of management, but I was also doing volunteering, and I was volunteering, uh, 
I came into town to volunteer and I don't know if you remember Terence Bruce Bruce McDevitt yeah, the sports officer Bruce, yeah. so I went in and my mum was like would you give this lad a hand he's in there and he's working with the lads and my mum was like you've got good uh, rapport with young lads and they listen to you and you should go in and help them I said yeah I'll go in and help them so I went in and I volunteered and I ended up doing work placement for two weeks when I went I went back to class E the college and I done sports and leisure management. And I really liked kind of the the work with with, with young people. And uh, I then got offered to do sessional work with, with Brad Oak Youth Service and it was through football. It was actually come in and be paid to do coaching. So I said, Yeah, look, I'm interested in that. I was in class E at the time and I went and I done that. And uh, I really liked it, enjoyed it. Then doing that for a while, then he ended up getting sessional, sessional work as a youth worker with, with Brad Oak. And so that's obviously how me and the doc know each other because you would have come into the inner city then, into the Brad Oak. That would have been the youth group that we went there. How and old are you at this stage, doc? At this stage, I would have been 23. And eventually then, when I went, when I went over to Brad Oak, I really found me calling. And I found that I was good at youth work, you know. I always felt that I had good relationships. From the Bally Monday, it's like, it's, you know, you, you, get, a, you get a bachelor's degree in slagging yeah. growing up in Ballymun, you know. Yeah, yeah. And even the school days, like, you know, growing up, I'm very verbal, as and <laughs> to say the least. But it is, it's, it's, it's that, you know, I can tear someone down with my mouth. Yeah. And and that's something that, you know, it's embedded into you in body yeah. mind because it's kill or be killed. And a lot of the time, like you're you're in school, I had a complex about Nightcare Max, right? And Calvin's there looking as he's rocking them, right? Yeah. But it's uh what happened was is that when we were in school in Body Mourn, the pressure on us to have them runners. And you know, people had like parents hadn't a pot to piss in. And you used to go in and you'd be wearing runners and you'd be like, Oh, look at this fella. <laughs> per per the CS Harachis or something, you know, and if you just making up names, you're runners and you'd be getting slaughtered. We might used to sew on Levi signs onto <laughs> Just so we'd go into school. I can't wear them, they're not Levi's, you know. Yeah, yeah. I can't wear I need Air Max. And I actually had a complex about them. I couldn't wear them because it brought me back to them days where people were just slaughtering each other. And it was like it was poverty slagging poverty. Like it wasn't <laughs> like but what it you had snobbery in it, yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, like in any working class areas, you have like you've certain parents that were shoplifters. Yeah. You know, our families that were yeah. could get the best of runners, best of jeans, and the kids were wearing them, and they were the ones then coming in and lifting people. <laughs> you know? and, you're like, and then you're going home to your mom, and they're like, Well, you know how they're getting them. You know, yeah. like, and you're like, I hate it. I just, I was like, You know, you can't be, you can't be wearing it. You know, I can't, I had a real phobia. I got a child coming in today, coming in today and saying, Hey, little John on the class has a kind of goose jack, and you trying to explain to him that Cap has a warrant for his outfit. There's a reason why his dad's not around anymore. Doesn't matter how many new clothes he has. This is it. I have a real phobia, very much. I never thought I'd heard any repressed memories walking in the footlocker and all. But what happened is now, look, I'm saying this, right? And now everyone will be watching me feet. I do wear their Max. 
Right, I'm back. Bring back. No, I'm back now. I did go for a couple of years where I couldn't wear them. You seem to say to me, brothers, don't be wearing an Air Max, you know, and it's because I just I fucking hate it. <laughs> PTSD, just, yeah. was it? Yeah. <laughs> but like, and and that's what it was. So what you have is it's it's you have the kind of slagging. You you hear people like Will I White, I just Quick, sharp yeah. with that tone. Well, I think most people, mm. I said this before, most people from Ballymun are just like that. Mm. Anybody who I've met from out there are characters. I thought that till I got to town. Mm, yeah. Town, like, if they're giving the degrees out in Ballymun, it's the master's program in the city. Yeah. <laughs> like, Damien Dempsey has a song, right, Canadian Geese. There's a line in it, and it goes, the inner city folk, they often spoke with a tongue that was more like a fist. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that's, that's very true. Yeah. So I, I'm coming in then for Ballymun, and it's just lifting people, you know, having the slaggings. You're well able to oh, do it. Stop. And then you're coming into town and you're work, like doing the football the football team at first. Then I get into youth work. And uh, I'm going up to the flats then doing outreach work, trying to meet young people up in the flats. And uh, I'm walking up the doors at three flats, pitch black, 20 umpers all dressed in black. And I'm going up, oh, chewing gun face, you <laughs> robber nose. <laughs> What are you looking at? Sky electric heat and all. And I'm just looking at me saying, who is this fella? You know? And you're delighted then you're leaving there. There's no puncture wounds in your body. So, you know, like, this is it. I'm made for this, you know? <laughs> oh, do you know why that's so funny, though? Because I can remember all the slaggings. We were from Dawes yesterday, Flats, and we used to think we were the dog's bollocks. Like, I used to, I used to throw some shapes, didn't I, back in the day, Doc? You used to? I still do now, yeah. But I used to bounce into the club and I'd see the doctor fella there and I'd be saying, look at this fella, and I'd try and give him a bit of stick. And I always said, every one of us would live a shadow of a person that we walk around in for trying to start on the doctor. He'd lick us, chewing him face, crow, anything you can think of, we got it. But but the but the town townies like they can slag. You yeah, know? some of the boys are and sharp, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, a lot of them. Like yeah, you know. Yeah, I could mm. I could name a couple of lads here that just you know that were just different level, ruthless. Yeah, yeah. But like it's it. But the thing is with it, I suppose, is that it's all about the banter. It's all yeah. about laughter. Yeah. And if you can win, if you can make someone laugh, if you can win, like you're going in and you're slagging people and you're being ruthless and you want to upset someone, like. You know, you quickly end up leaving with a, you know, a chip in your of, shoulder, with a pair of sunglasses on you from two black eyes. <laughs> but like, you can't. You have to like, it's it's a joke. Yeah. It's you want to be friendly with someone. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're building a bit of rapport. And the thing is, you want them to want to be around you. Yeah. And and you use a bit of you know banter, laughter as a relationship builder. You know, yeah. like and and like it's 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 slagging. That's not you know you're not slagging someone because there's no know, malice for, in it for a fault. Yeah, anything like that. Yeah, someone is slag and and for me, I never slag. It's I'll always say, listen, yeah, I will never slag. But if I'm slagged, I take you back. Yeah, you're getting lifted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I'd come out once like. You get young, you know, that's like, and say, shut up, you, you look like you brush your hair with a loop, the loop. You know, you just, you just hit, the, hit them with a little one, and you go, all right, that's it, I'm gone. I'm not, I'm not slagging again. You but, mentioned the football, you mentioned getting all the young lads in the inner city then playing yeah. football. It's one of the best ballers around, Doc. You are, yeah. yeah. That's another thing that we wanted to bring up here. Yeah. We've never seen him play football, ever, ever. And he was telling this is me, mad to me, right? Because and he's telling me he won these tournaments, right? And Dorset <laughs> done this. 
door set with the licking boys. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, I had a great relationship with all the lads, but you just knew there was going to be trouble. Terence was a mascot. He wasn't even a player. <laughs> and he'd be coming down, see you, and doing that for people to flinch and all. Trying to hit people. And I'd be like, oh God. And he'd be like, see you, biggers and all. You're ripping me off and all. <laughs> you hate door set street. You're only out for Hardwick Street. I'm not even the referee. We pay, I paid a referee, so I didn't get abused. Pay the referee so he didn't get a beer. I'm like, Terrence, listen, so nothing got to do with me. Come on. And he'd be wrecking the pitch and all down up the road. And then he went to me. Oh, yeah, I had to ask David Mullins about that. And he said, yeah. Peter Carr. Peter, was it Peter Carr? Yeah, Peter. And Peter said, all he remembers you. Go on, tell him the story. Yeah, I said it to Peter. She still remember me. Look, I was a good baller back in the day. Look, the doctor saying I was talking. She says, the only thing I remember is you walking up trying to hit me and David Mullins one day. And them two boys, <laughs> you don't want to mess you with them now, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's all the boys remember. I, I don't know. I think that's all. anyone who remembers back in the day who was from town and whatever the tournaments, send in a few messages about what it was like because I yeah. thought it was a decent baller. If, if anyone remembers them, just let us know. I'll, I'll get him a trophy, man. Answers on a postcard, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember you playing. I remember talking to you once. Like, I just want to say, like, I'm fairly proud of Terence. Mm. Like, I'm really proud of Terence, how far he's come. But, like, I'm not proud of just proud of Terence because he's on a podcast. Like, one of the proudest moments for me with Terence wasn't a podcast, was actually when he got a job in Tesco. Mm. It was. It was really, I, was, I don't think I was prouder than anyone I worked with than, other than uh, Terence at that moment because in, in Braddock, I used to run a jobs and education uh, club. And what we did was, it all started from a group of lads from a certain area in town and they weren't doing much. They were all out of work. They were going to bed at all hours, smoking weed, you know, 24-7. And uh, we were like, how can we, like, what can we do for them? Like, we're, we're failing them, you know, mm. we're not doing anything for them. So we said, we'll do a kind of jobs, uh, before kind of, they become big initiatives now in, in youth work. But this was a really kind of uh, early stages where it wasn't being done. You know, youth services were exploring job cafes with newspapers at the time and people coming in looking for jobs. But this was like, what can we do? That stuff isn't working. And we just said, okay, we're going to do something. We'll make sure it's two, three o'clock when the lads get out of bed. And we're, we're just going to focus on, we're focusing on soft skills. We're not focusing on them getting work, getting jobs. It's getting them in the door force, you know, getting them into routine once, twice a week that they come through the door. And, uh, then we can work on all the other stuff, you know, the weed smoking, the, the hygiene as well, because I believe in smell of mm. the lads coming in. If you're going in for an interview and you're coming in reeking, a, yeah. you know, of uh, weed, like it's, you're, you're not getting a job before you failed, before you started. So it's all that kind of stuff we were focusing on with them. We had a group of lads that engaged in it and we'd done CVs with them. And a lot of them were coming in like saying, you know, like, I've oh, nothing to put on a CV. And you sit down with them. Oh, I wasn't in schools in you. You're in you Reach. Put it down. No, Reach is great, great education centre. And uh, we sit with them. We look at everything they do, do a CV, highlight the stuff that he's done in the youth service. And at the end then, there's a sense of, you know, uh, Proud, they're proud, you know, they do the CV and they look and say, geez, we didn't realise I have skills in here, I did this and, you know, and then they're itching to get it out there and they're itching to try and, you know, and but yet terrified of rejection. And that's the problem, I think, in working class areas is that they're terrified of rejection, mm. you know, like 
if I was terrified of rejection, I'd be a, I'd be a virgin. You know, you have you have to go out, you have to go out, and you have to put yourself out there, and you have to, you know, everyone says no in life. Was yeah. ever had fancy a girl, and she told you no. You yeah. was looking at me like you must have had an easy life with the women. <laughs> <laughs> no, we never got told no, no, no. Calvin definitely didn't. I know you got told no a couple of times. But you know what I mean? It's like if you take no, like as an answer of anything, like okay, that person is that girl isn't for you or that job isn't for you. Doesn't mean that you should you should be single for doesn't the rest of your life. You, yeah, doesn't the Doesn't you. mean you yeah. should be uh, unemployed for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, if a college or school doesn't accept you, so you don't have an education, yeah. you know. Rejection is good. It yeah. teaches you skills. It's it's part of your uh, development. No, I remember you implementing that into the programme mm. then with everyone. Of course. Because I remember going down, obviously, down the CV and all, with you then at that yeah. time when I got the job. And, but one of the things was that, like, it was just getting them in, was trying to get the last safe pass, you know, manual handling. The basics that is employable employability skills without like you know you don't need degrees or whatever it is uh, certain education to get jobs there is a demand for jobs soft skills is one of the key yeah the key attributes that employers look for mm. but i remember Terence coming in and sitting with me and i got him down the twins used to come in Terence come down and i'm like what you want to do and he goes nothing i said well he goes nothing i'll never walk and he was very like he was ice cold i'll never walk so what do you mean you'll never walk? He goes, I'll never walk. I won't have a job. I don't want a job. I don't want to walk. I won't be doing No point me doing a CV. What would I be doing a CV for? I won't be walking. Like, and I was in a state of shock. I just couldn't believe it. That, you know, I knew Terrence was uh, challenging, you know, where it's like, no, <laughs> he, <a> lightly. <laughs> no he's challenging. And like, but like to say you're never going to walk, like your aspirations yeah. in life is not no to have a job. Yeah. Like, What's he going to do? Like, yeah. You know, what is he going to do? And then there was like the outreach. You're looking at the outreach. You ended up doing the outreach. Yeah. And I think that was a stepping stone, you know, yeah. for you. And then uh, you ended up in, in Tesco. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe that the young person that I was taught to uh, maybe two years ago, who had no no inhibition to work was then, was working. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was just great then. I was saying, no, look, he has a bit of driving yeah you know but that's what the youth clubs are essential for mm. I think for like I, I, I always say it and I, I hate to sound dramatic when I say it about the youth clubs but like they really have saved some amount of lives over the years yeah. I know young players who are in a really 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 bad way and their relationship with yourself and other people in the youth clubs definitely stirred them down a different path yeah and they were brought in they were educated and they were told that, like, they, they, it's made them feel like they can do something with their life, you know what I mean? Whether that be selling drugs, taking drugs, whatever they were doing in the area. And some people have really done a full fucking, well, a 180 with their life and fucking yeah. turned it around and, and went on to do positive things, you know what I mean? Some, unfortunately, didn't. Like, we know a few people firsthand who used to come down to the youth club and they're not here with us anymore. A lot of them are locked up, one or two of passed away you know what I mean and it, it's sad to see but that's why that was the main reason why we wanted to get you on here yeah. Doc was to highlight what the youth clubs do 
Yeah. And to show the positives of youth clubs, in, especially in working class areas, you know what I mean? Because like you said, there's not a lot in these areas. And when there's not a lot to do, there's a playground and there's holes in it and there's fucking pallets getting burnt on it every two nights and the football pitch has nothing but glass bottles broke all over it. Yeah. So when you've nothing to do in the area, what do you do? You venture out and you start playing looking for things to do and that's how you get down a rabbit hole. Yeah. But that's where the youth club came in and sort of was like mm. bringing us in and nurturing us. Not only that, when we were young, we fucking, there were some fucking days we didn't eat in the gaff either. We were in proper poverty. I'm not yeah. saying everyone in the flats, but my family was, me and my brothers, and you know that. Yeah. So we'd get down there, we'd fucking, we'd get fed, we'd be laden, cups of tea, you'd be on the toasties all night, you would. He'd never wear coming in because he'd say, I can't get away with this That must toast. be a thing in every bleeding new club in Dublin. All we used to do was go to the club and you got a cheese toast in it. No, my nickname was George Foreman. <laughs> <laughs> he used to say, I used to actually yell, I'm not going to leave the toasty machine. <laughs> We'd be sitting there, another toasty dog was starving. Yeah, that's but, what we used to do as well. Let's go in and yeah. make cheese toasties. It's mad, isn't it? But that's what they, that's that's what they are essential for. And I don't know whether this is. I think they're underfunded. I think they're, they're yeah. like the unsung heroes in the working class community. Because um, yeah. I think back now, and like I look at my mates, like we we were all in the same youth club coming yeah. up together. Yeah, and I was like. Use mad bad. Oh, you could be in. Give it a shout out. Yes, yeah. LYCS. Yeah, shout out to Tom and Trish. I think Trish retired there recently, but uh, Tom Dunn's still flouting around. Um, and it's mad because they're fucking, they're walking with generations mm. of people. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. They're walking with like people my age and now they're kids. Yeah. yeah. They take their kids on the trips that they would have took us on. Yeah. But like, I look back and I think, you mad cunts. You took like 15 of us away for a weekend and there'll be only two of them or something. You know what I mean? Like, I would melt it with that. Like, yeah. surely you'd, you'd be squaring up to them and all. But, oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but, <laughs> but, guys, it was done for us. Like, it was, yeah, yeah. like, as I mentioned, Baddy Moon, like, we had great volunteers and they weren't paid youth workers, you know, and it was done for us. And it was, it was experience that was, as I said, you, their life changing experiences. And you remember these people for mm. the rest of your life, you know. People like, I remember the guy Paul Smith and Baddy Moon. Paul's a great musician, by the way. Uh, you should check out stuff. But Paul, Paul would have volunteered, brought us away, little house in the prairie for a week. Like if people like him weren't doing that and giving up a week, like we wouldn't have got a trip away, mm. you know. And it was a uh, little house in the prairie. A lot of people listening from Bally Mum would know it. It was a great spot, you know. It was a place in Wicklow. We went mm. there. We stayed for four or five nights. It was just amazing. It was a trip away, and you remember that week. You remember the people you were with. You remember the. The youth leaders that brought you there, it was, you know, I remember it was Jackie Ryan and as well, another another leader that brought us over there. And you remember these people and you hold them in high regard. And and when you're doing this job, you know, you remember, like that's kind of why you, you chose a profession in the end. Like yeah. I suppose you were saying, Calvin, around education, you work now, there is demands on education. So like I had to go back, I've done a degree, I have a master's in youth work and games and digital media. Mm. So you do have to, you have to get education now yeah. to do it, you know. So I'd remember that when we'd go up some weeks in our club, like a certain person wouldn't be there and be like, oh, they're doing a course or they're off doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they walk on, upskilling and getting these qualifications. So you have a lot of the old school youth workers that have gone back to college yeah. now. And because it's, we're trying to professionalise the sector a long time now. And people who really value and respect, they know the importance of that. Because we are suffering in the sector at the moment. Fun to be honest as well, guys, like it is it's great that you say you have always advocated on your work and I always mm. appreciate that and the value I had for you and the shout outs. 
we get. But we do, we are lucky as well in respect. We are funded. You know, Ireland is, we're first of the races in relation to funding youth work across Europe. Yeah. To my knowledge, there's not many countries that invest the way yeah. Ireland invests in youth work. So there is an investment and it is, it's good, valuable taxpayers' money that goes into yeah. good work, youth work. But like everything, you know, we could do with more, you know, yeah. more investments, more staff. Staff retention now is an issue. So youth workers now are not lasting long. We're struggling to get males in, into the sector. It is, you know, it, because it's a little trauma-based. This is what you, you're dealt with in youth work. You know, yeah. I've colleagues in Finglas and, you know, the stuff that's happening in Finglas and Ballymun, the, the gang uh, feuds that's in Finglas and a young... Uh, young people getting shot. They're dealing with that up in Finglas as well, up in, um, you know, the youth service up there. And this is what they're dealing with. So it's, it's you know, staff are dealing with a lot. It's a lot of trauma. Uh, people deal with it differently. It's good having a good peer group, you know. Again, you know, I'm, I'm based in Ringsend in Irishtown now. Yeah. Great area, you know, really good group, supporting group. But my old my old youth service was, was Brad Oak. My wife is a project leader there. Now, so we take a home with us. So we have that connection and it's and it's good. We can debrief with each other. Yeah. And uh, I have a good circle of colleagues and friends in the sector that, you know, we can bounce the stuff off, you know. Yeah. And and that's what that's if you're going to last in, in the likes of youth work sector, you need that. You need that mm. community of practice, support, uh, being able to kind of share and and uh, just, you know, yeah, just get emotional with someone else about the work that we do, you know, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Where, like, where does you work excel and then where does it fall down? Because I remember I, I became a qualified lifeguard through my yeah, youth club. Like, every Wednesday, would be like, right, with the me here, boom, and they'd done the whole course, they got us everything, and it was for free. I'm nearly sure it was for free. I think when you had to renew it then, it was on you to do that, but I remember we'd done all these courses, and those people doing the course for us, and they were paying for it to go and get a job out of it. And we were there, basically, just as a laugh, because we liked to swim, you know what I mean? And then we became qualified lifeguards. So when I look back on that, and I was thinking, do you know what? I got a qualification out of that. That could have got me an actual job if I wanted to go down that route. And then I was thinking... It's, there's obviously other youth clubs that do other kind of qualifications and professions that you can get people have these things under the belt when they're even leaving school after you want to uh, drop out of school or whatever. So I think that's where they excel, yeah. What would you think? No, I agree. And and, and that's that's the whole point. You know, it's giving young people an opportunity to do things that they wouldn't normally necessarily do. You know, it's it's like... There's lots of football teams around. Like when I went in, I, was, I went from kind of doing a lot of football stuff to just not doing anything in football because they have that. What What am I giving them playing football with them that they're not getting outside? Now, for some young uh, young people, that that's the tool is finding out what they like to build a relationship. Then when you have that relationship, you need to challenge them. Mm. You know, you have to challenge them. And I think the one good thing about you work, one of the good things in you work is that the relationship part is that you can get somebody to do things and really take them out of their comfort zone if you have that relationship. Because you can push them, you can challenge them, you can get them to do things. And uh, that's what it is. That's what it, where the, you know, it excels. We have the better relationships than the school teachers in many respects, not all, and I'm not, I'm not putting in competition or, you know, in some cases, you know, better relationship than the parents. Yeah. It's that good, positive uh, adult 
in the young person's life that they feel comfortable with, you know, that they listen to. You know, they might be listening to someone at home. They might mm. be listening to what they might be anti-authority, and they know that in in their youth space that with the relationships they build with the youth staff is that you know they are there for their good, and that you know uh, they, there's no judgment. Yeah, well, you even mentioned earlier the conversation that we had back then, and where I was like, I'm never gonna walk, and maybe at that time I was experimenting with stuff and thinking to myself, why the fuck would I want to walk? You know what I mean? And then. Through sitting down, I remember saying that to you, and the look on your face being like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, what do you mean I don't want to walk? And I remember then over, gradually over time, you were like sitting me down, talking to me, explaining to me, like, and just, I think we looked up to you, like you and, and the rest of them, Maria as well, Pauline, to all of them. And we didn't see you as, as like, you was our stamp and authority on us. We seen you as like, you are trying to help us here, like, where if a teacher had been saying something to me, I probably would have took it a little bit different, you know what I mean? So you always had that thing where you could sit us down and gradually, not straight away, but get through to us and explain to us the positives and the benefits to doing certain things, whether it be getting a job or throwing a sport or doing things like that, in a way where I don't think anybody else could have done with us. Yeah. Well, it, it, like that, that is the beauty of youth work. And that's where kind of the good thing with skills and youth work, they can go hand in hand. I remember even relationships with the schools when we first started and it was kind of, what is youth work? You know, from, from schools and teachers not understanding it. So it was getting into schools and then really uh, having open arms, letting us in and seeing what we do. We do non-formal education with young people. You know, we, we can focus on the likes of social inclusion, bullying, uh, Drug, drug awareness programs, whatever it is, through media, through sport, and do it, you know, promote non-formal learning. And then when they see that and they see the young people are engaged and the schools, you know, really appreciate it. I suppose the luxury we have, Terence, Calvin, that the schools didn't start, they have to teach 30 people in a room and it's, you know, they have to go through a criteria where yeah. with the youth workers, we do have the luxury of creating a one-to-one space with that mm. young person. Yeah. Working in small groups and uh, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing as kind of an, an after-schools uh, developmental support for young people and that's personal, professional, all that kind of support. But we're like social educators is what we see ourselves as in youth work. And the one thing, just going back to Calvin, what you said, you were saying how we let ourselves down or how it doesn't yeah, where does accept. it fall down? Yeah. I think how it falls down sometimes is that we, we just feel we have to justify our work so much. You know, you two lads are the, are the result of you work and good you work, okay? Mm. Now, it mightn't be a defining factor to how you are here, but it, it played a role. Okay. I would say it will play a major role in okay. my life. And, 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 and that, we said that early on in the podcast, mm. like in the first couple of episodes, we would have been mentioning that. And and the thing is, is that y- you say this and it's great. And we ke- you had Kieran Moran on here as well. Kieran was in the in, in the in the music club yeah. that Sparky set up in, in, in Braddock, you know, and he went on a youth exchange. Uh, we, we hosted a youth exchange called Eurojam. And uh, they were writing songs, and and then there was a uh, we the lad Lloyd Cooney who was in Kane. So I mentioned people who are kind of uh, artists and performers, and you know, but the youth youth service had a key role to them, and they're they're great if we're doing anything around impact, you know, when you work, they'll turn up. 
you know, they'll talk about the experience, Terence included, and uh, and yourself, uh, Calvin, you've you've come to things that you know we needed in relation when up in Rings End and Irish Town, you helped the lads three lefty start the podcast, yeah. mm. like all of that stuff, and highlight you work, but it's. It's we let ourselves down in relation to the impact of the work. Where sometimes I think that you workers get annoyed that they have to kind of showcase it. We don't want to be showcasing it. Like everything young people do is what young people do. Okay, as you said, you work has a role in it. We don't like we'd look at it and say, no, that's the young person. The young person made all the sacrifices, the efforts to be where they are, you know. And sometimes I feel we think like I look, we're latching on to young people who are successful and doing well. Like one of my biggest successes is a young lad I know that's just holding down a job, mm-hmm. holding down a job, labouring every week, and he's a good dad, and he's in a good relationship, and he treats his missus well. And like that's, I'm more proud of that than somebody that's even going and winning an Oscar or doing anything like that. You know, I had young lads who share the prison cell with their, with their dad. You know, reared by the nannies, uh, felt he'd never be capable of getting a job. Had the man doing interview skills for the for the supermarket and just rattling and saying, no, "I don't belong here." I don't. And then going there, doing that, nailing it, nailing the job, and then getting confidence, then feeling mm-hmm. a sense of uh, self worth, and I can do this. Because if you if you can get a young person a job, you have a chance of stopping them from their uh, criminality. Yeah. So if they're selling drugs. You know, you have a chance. You know, we're not going in and saying, don't be selling drugs or you shouldn't, you know, all drug dealers are scum. And that's not it. We look at harm reduction, a harm reduction model. You know, and that's, for me, that's effective. We talk to young people, Ray. We treat them with respect and dignity. We don't talk down to them. It's not scripted. It's real. Yeah. It's real life experiences. To some youth workers that's been there, done it could write the book in it and they want change and they want to kind of promote change for other young people. There's other young uh, youth workers out there who didn't live like that, who probably come from middle-class areas and they're still brilliant youth workers because mm. they understand the issues that are out there. And it's not just a job for for working-class people, youth work. It's a job for everyone. Mm. But you, ha- you have to understand the issues from the working-class areas and the working-class people and what they how they suffer you know, how they can be treated, marginalised and everything else. You have to have an understanding of that. But it's, uh, yeah, I think for That's me... they fall up, you think? Is it's, it's just promoting. It, yeah. It's promoting the work that we do. We're not united enough sometimes with, like... Like, you look at protests that are going on for refugees coming in here, and if people feel highly about that, and I don't want to open up a can of worms, like, if people feel uh, strong about that, people coming in, and they want to do protests. Like, that's up to them. For me, you know, that's not that's not what I believe in. I believe in inclusion, equality. I believe in that everyone should be given a chance here. But people are quick to march and, and demonstrate hate. Like, when, when there's marches needed for, you know, whether it was the teachers, the nurses, when the youth services were getting cut, or whether it was, you know, the SNAs. Like, where are people? You know, where are people? You know, where youth services are the first places that a lot of people go if they're up in court. Yeah. You know, if they're if they're in trouble yeah. when no one else is 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 there for them. Uh youth services are there and you know, we'll highlight the character of that young person. And uh, 
you know, it's they're always there for the young person, regardless of their background and what they're doing. And, you know, we always believe that there's room for change yeah. and that people can change. And that's the thing, like youth services, it's a preventative measure, isn't it? It's like if you get to these kids and you can instill positive attributes into their lives and show them that showing up on time is a big deal, showing them that how you represent yourself is a big deal and you don't need to be this because you come from this area. You get in there early and you put that right positive attitude into their head, you prevent someone from going down that wrong uh, road and becoming a statistic then. Yeah. So in a, in a sense, youth service, it's it's proactive, it's preventative. You know what I mean? It's no use saying, oh, like, this is what we could have done and be reactive to yeah. the situation. Like, No, no, absolutely. And the thing is with your work is if you can get young people from a vulnerable young age in it, it's like anything in life, you know, if you've good parents in your ear, you've a, you've a chance, you know, you have mm. a chance, your values, your principles, you grow up, you know, right and wrong and, you know, you you tend to kind of do everything you can to please that positive adult, whether it be in my life was me mother, you know, where other people it might be a grandparent or whoever. If you can kind of work with young people from a young age, teach them right from wrong, show them love and care, give them the essentials, you know, the food, the safe and comfortable environment, whether it's to socialise or do homework or whatever it might be, they're good starting points for young people. And that's that's essentially, you know, uh, what youth work sets itself out to do is to create that space, you know, that everyone is equal. We know that people are dealing with different things in different circumstances and what's going on in some people's homes can really affect them. But all we can kind of ma- manage as youth workers is the space and the now mm. when we have the young people there. And if we can give them a good experience and build that relationship with them, then they know quite quickly that they have that good good adult, you know. And look here, look, I'm I'm gone from uh, I'm in Ringsend and Oyderstown now. Ricky's, give them a shout out there. Great area, great project, community centre there, Rick. It's just amazing the stuff they do. Cradle to the grave uh, approach, but it's uh, a lot of my time still is is taken up. With, with young people that I have relationships with from Pradoke. Yeah. So I finish work some days if, I, if I'm lucky enough to get off at six o'clock and I'm not working late. I'm meeting people for coffee mm. that I used to work with. And I don't regard them as young people anymore. You know, they're friends and it's it's still, I'm still doing references and CVs for people from from the Bradog area, you yeah. know, from uh, the inner city. Mm. It doesn't matter how many times I've told them, I don't work there anymore. Mm. They, they laugh and go, oh, jeez, sorry about that. Hope you're enjoying the new job. The next day, have you got that for me? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like it's, okay, of course, and I'm going to do it. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm going I'm to do it for them. Yeah. Because like, they, they've dealt with rejection a lot. A lot of the backgrounds of some of the young people we work with, like, you know, it's uh, like, if you see people and you see them, they're down and out or they have a drug addiction or they end up in jail, like, you know, yeah, everything that was, they were dealt led them to that. Like, and people don't realise that, like, when there's guards, for example, and, and look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not ditching guards. I, look, I think the guards have a really hard job. Some of them are brilliant and do a great job, but some guards would have an approach of, you know, somebody who's an addict and think they're a scumbag. Like, they just don't know the CV of that person, you know? What actually brought them to that, you know? Whether it's, you know, uh, abuse, a sexual assault, you know, domestic violence, being abandoned as a child. There's many factors and reasons that brought that person to where they are. And in, a, in many cases, 
young people that are actually coming out and being success stories, it's a miracle that that's happening. Yeah. With the cars that they've been dealt yeah. from a young age. Mm-hmm. It really is. And that comes down to skills, youth services, you know, and then, and, and then you know, just that person themselves as well. Yeah. Because it's like we don't, we don't write scripts for, for podcasts, you know. We don't write songs for people. We don't play the guitar with them. Young people do this themselves. Like, they do that themselves. And it's hard work. It's dedication, mm. you know. And that's how, you know, people excel in different fields. What I like to think your work does is give people opportunity. Yeah. You know, to, to fulfill their full potential. Yeah. Yeah. I think right. give a shout out to the youth clubs in the area. There's blatant yeah. gangs and shout the Belvo. Loads of them. Belvo, yeah. Swan, yeah. MYP. Yeah. Where yeah. else is Blake? Brad Oak, I hate the only in case I forget someone. Yeah, yeah of course, Brad Oak. I mentioned uh, Ricky's, yeah. who I work for now. I do want to give a particular shout out to a very special project. And it's uh, Just Ask Project. And it's uh, Declan yeah. Keenan. If you know as Deco, Deco is a legend in the game. Now, we talk about funding. This project doesn't get funded. Everything is charity based. It's fundraising, and it's really the work they do is amazing. Like your footfall of two hundred young people per week, young people after schools projects, uh, school supports with runner from driving the bus to to supporting youth services such as Brad Oak. Uh, Dublin seven skills completions. They just the work and Deco in particular, the work he does is immense. Mm-hmm. This man works 70, 80 hours a week in a quiet week, you know. They're going to Morocco, they're doing a fundraiser. In fairness, Terence uh put it out there on his page. If mm-hmm. people see it, throw a few bob at it. You know, they don't get funded. These young people that are going away, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity for them. And they really appreciate any support they can get. And uh, I just want to give a shout out. Yeah. The stuff he does, the project is amazing. And uh, yeah, just a big shout out to Deco. You know, yeah. if people are listening, if people have a few extra shekels, you know, it's 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 a really good project to support. You yeah. know, it does amazing work. Yeah, brilliant. Doc, I'd say you have some blatant stories that we probably wouldn't be even able to grant that without. Oh, we def- definitely have loads of stories. Definitely. Def- uh, defamation cases here. Yeah, yeah. loads of stories. I was trying to think about Back in my own day, like, I remember bleeding. I don't know why it sticks out in my head, but I remember, like, even in my club, yeah, me and one of my mates played and end up throwing darts at each other. I don't know how. We're right. playing darts and we end up throwing them at each other. And I mean, like, someone had to walk in, obviously, stop her all and throw us out. And I was like, we could have bleeding. Someone could have got seriously <laughs> fucked Lost the oil, like. Easily. Darn. But I mean, like, it wasn't just like, uh, hell, it was like milling things. One of them got stuck in the wall. I ran and I torn down the corridor and the dart hit the wall behind me and got stuck. And I was thinking, like, if that had gone into me, I might as well have been getting stabbed. But then, like, the youth walker comes out and like, ah, lads, acting the bollocks, come on, get out. And I'm like, ah, yeah, grand, me and my mates had to kill each other. They attempted more than we're getting put outside now. <laughs> but, like, they, you guys, like, I don't know why I remember that. Maybe because it was traumatic. That as well. But, like, there's mad, mad things. Like, I remember they brought a surfing and uh, down an ankle. And I remember it took bleeding six or seven hours to get there. And someone said, uh, you may as well get on a flight to New York. And I was thinking, Jesus Christ, like, they brought us over the other side of the country camping for the week. You know what I mean? It was deadly. Yeah. But like, I've never been back there since. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's why uh, they brought us over to Crow Patrick and all. Remember what I was saying at the year when we were talking about hiking about Crow Patrick? Did you do Crow Patrick? No, we didn't do it. But like, that's, that's only how we've seen all this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, surfing and I've never been surfing since. I've been surfing two or three times and they were all with me, you club. Yeah. And like stuff like that sticks with me, uh, becoming a lifeguard and all like yeah. that qualification, all that all sticks with me. And I think like, oh, that's because I was in that club. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So 
at obviously the ma- shit yeah, that we, we would have done that. that's on the good side and then like obviously the dance thing was a mad one as well look young people will always find trouble you know and <laughs> it's I remember we went to a place called Glenmalore and Glenmalore it's like it's in Wicklow is it yeah it's yeah, like I think the army and all go up there and they train we there. it's where the waterfall is isn't it Possibly, but, but there's know, a little but... like old kind of cottage or whatever it is there, and it, it doesn't even have electricity or anything in it. And uh, I went up there with a group of lads from Dorset and Hardwick, and we brought we brought them up there, and it was uh, Daryl Hayes, may he rest hey, in peace. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, yeah, and uh, had him, and I had Andrew Murphy there. And what happened was we went in there, and they always had a volunteer to stead, which is. I had to stay in the house. They had a room in their own in the house. And we this one guy, terribly nice fella, but he was very strict and he was giving us the rules. And he goes, I need to just reiterate the rules to you, Darren. And I was out there going through the lads, no messing, none of this. So he's standing there and he's saying to me, now they have to be... And I and then I said, sorry, I didn't hear that. And they have to be, and I could hear the chainsaw going <laughs> off. And then I went, sorry, mate, one second. And I just looked out and you see Hazer chasing Murphy with a chainsaw. <laughs> and I went, oh no. And your man just looked at me and said, Maria, get the bus, get them home. <laughs> but, <laughs> just like, this was it. Many a times we went to residential, we just had to fill the bus back up and take them home. Yeah. No. Take the bags off. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Doc, thanks very much for coming in, bro. We really appreciate it. Nice and dark. Thanks for having me, lads. Legend, bro. Legend. You are rocking it, like, unbelievable. Appreciate that, bro. Have to say now. We're talking about you work, talking about inspirations. You two lads genuinely are inspirations. And not just the young people. Like, you know, I have a friend of mine who's going through a really dark patch and I was trying to be there for him. And he was like to me, uh, I listen to, you know, your pal, Terrence and, and Calvin's podcast. He goes, it's really helped me. It's really helped me. He had drug issues, drink issues. And he's, you know, eight weeks, I'm not drinking, I'm not doing drugs. And you are reaching men, you know, you're, meet, you're reaching lads in that in that 30s, 30 odds, 40s. And uh, you're not just inspirational to young people. The impact and effect you was having people is is just amazing. You know, I met a guy in a plane and uh he was telling he was telling me that he was he was from Cork, he had the accent. Cut that uh, yeah. <laughs> and he was uh, yeah, he was just saying that he goes out out with the lawnmower, smoke and listens to talking bollocks and that's his uh yeah. that's his, his his little bit of a meditation that he does once yeah. a week. Like it's just amazing the stuff you're doing and, and the reach that you have and the impact you're having people. So mm. that's well done. Just keep it up. Keep nice doing what you're doing. Revenue will come after this 30, yeah? Yeah. Shabbing I am. Get the tissues yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at... Uh, that's it then, yeah? Yeah, that's the end. Episode 115. Done, does it? Takes out there, Chris. Boom! Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. What you waiting for? What you fucking in? The hip knocker.